Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Fruitvale Station, directed by Ryan Coogler and released in 2013. The plot of the movie is a day in the life of Oscar Grant III before he encounters tragedy. Oh, hey, I wrote that. You did. I just used yours. I I wanted to say the last day of his life or something dramatic like that, but I thought it would be, I don't know. It just it worked the best of all okay. the lines. It is the but last did, day of his yeah, life. Yeah, it is. Uh, last... And you get the feeling that, you know, they conflated some events to make it yeah, all I, work well, but it doesn't really matter. No, I meant to do some research. I did, and I've read a little bit about it, um, but I was busy dyeing my hair this morning. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I wish that was a joke, but I was. I, got I, just, I think it's really things. funny because you're like, oh, I meant to look into this really like big tragedy and what it means and all but of I these political things, but hair. I was doing my hair. Um, yeah, I did actually meet, but I, I've sort of read bits and pieces about it, and I I think they try. well, they tried to kind of show the key aspects of his life, I think, like about his fatherhood and about what he was trying to do and how hard it is for him to be straight, how hard it is for any man in his well, place to I be think, straight. I mean, the stuff that happens in this movie could have happened during the last, say, week or so of his life. Mm. Um, like the incident with the dog um, yeah. and the him going to his work and trying to get his job back and all that sort of stuff. Mm. I feel like what what it, it seems more like people told – Ryan Coogler or the writer's stories about what Oscar was like and they put all of that in. Yeah. And they conflated it into one day when really it was over different days. Yeah. But it doesn't really it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. I think it was a useful day because it felt like an ordinary like it felt felt like a good day, but that didn't it wasn't so slice of life that there wasn't a story or a rhythm yeah, exactly. or a meaning to it. Yeah. So they 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 ba- made it that balance between it being a slice of life and it being and it telling a story and it giving us because the entire point of this movie, I think, is to like make a person for us mm. create this this real human being who was complicated and and kind and difficult and frustrating and loving and and all these things mm. that are a, make up a person and and make us connect with that person and make him feel real for us so that when he get when he dies uh it means something yeah and i think that is is the entire thing that this movie does is it humanizes this this these tragedies that are going on in America at the moment. Yeah. Um, and this is years, a couple of years before Black Lives Matters really even took off. This happened in 2009. This poor kid got shot. This has been going on forever. And it was a, this was such a, it was so effective mm. at humanizing him. I was so upset. I had to stop a couple of times. I think probably after the dog died. Um, oh, God. That, yeah, but that was upsetting. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but like I had to stop at a couple of points and like walk away and come back. I mean, I can only imagine the intensity of doing it in the cinema. And I was still just tearing up and exhausted and emotionally devastated by the end of it. It was just, it was so well done. Like just emo- the emotionally. Yeah. I'm a robot. Because <laughs> I was thinking like, wow, this is really good. This is done really well. I really like this movie. But mm. I never like, I I mean, I cared, but not like that. I really cared. And I was so upset and I'm so like, just it just got to me and I just really like it was so wonderful and I I wish it was more widely had been more widely seen and I wish it was more it had more publicity but and I mean I'm still a bit of a robot there were times where I was looking at it going yeah I can tell this is his first film and stuff but there were also times when I and and there was you know it, it but there are other times when I was just like this is so well done yeah there's a couple of shots editing problems pacing issues um Mm. but yeah I, I feel like even with all of that, this should be like required viewing 
for any trainee cops in America mm-hmm. and like certain school children. It should be for stuff. trainee cops everywhere, everywhere yeah. where there is a like a white power majority, like the white majority or white people are the powerful majority. Anywhere, this should be required viewing. Yeah, it it really is just like and and uh, I think the the thing that got me the most because we've seen Creed is I really really felt that there was a kind of synergy between synergy between Ryan Coogler and and Michael B. Jordan. Mm. That you can feel that kind of artist muse mm-hmm. uh, con- collaboration with yeah. them. Like they they really you can feel how well they get each other and get what the other is trying to do and mm. bring that out of each other I think in this movie and and because we've seen both now I can definitely compare them mm. right and and that's so it works so well mm. uh Michael B. Jordan is really good in this movie he has such a good face it's it's like it's a totally different person to the guy who played Adonis in Creed yeah. like a just a completely different and but person. they've got similarities between the characters yeah um, yeah but like I mean physically it could it, he it, I just didn't like I never once compared them or or even thought along those lines. I was, but he just yeah. was such a fantastic actor. I think he disappeared. Into I've seen it for me. four movies with him in them now. Yep, four. Uh, with there's Chronicle, um, mm. Fantastic Four, and then Creed and this. And honestly, if Ryan Coogler and uh, and Michael B. Jordan aren't up for Oscars in the next five years. It'll be a travesty because uh, both of yeah. them really – this should have been nominated for Oscars. I Where was it, it? I think it was, but only in like small bits. Like it might have been up for – I'm just trying to think. I think it, I think I do remember it, but I feel like it was up for something like something like song or something like that. I'm going to go out on a limb here. This is a better movie than 12 Years a Slave is. Yeah, it's far more effective. Yeah. It's far more – it's so much more effective than a history lecture, that, like than a, a lecture or a long movie. And – um. Uh, and I think there was something that is, was good about this um, that I'm, made me put me in mind a little bit of Jessica Jones in that it respects his body. It doesn't show all the violence being done to his body. A lot of that is happens off screen or is shown in like, you know, if they throw out a blood bag when he's died and they and you hear the gunshots and you still get the really visceral effect of the violence, but we don't actually depict it in all its gory glory on screen, mm. which I think was a it was a really I, I think that's more effective than 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 Jessica Jones does it with rape and it really head on engages with rape, but it doesn't show a violent rape on screen. And I think mm. that's a really it's it's still effective. It's probably more effective, and it shows respect for the for his body for like the black man's body in that way. And and Jessica Jones does the same thing in showing respect for women's bodies, although not in some aspects, but in in sh- not showing that in, kind of violence. I, I think that's a conversation for another day, the other aspects. Thing. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I don't I, know I, what you were referring to Oh, with there's that. a bit at the beginning of Jessica Jones where she talks about there's a woman who's fat who's on a treadmill. Oh, and, yeah, that thing. Yeah, it's just kind of really mean and out of place. Anyway, not not really the point, but it, largely it's respectful of um, women's bodies by not showing the violence inflicted on them and it's the same – and I then – it's. I mean, there has to be a little bit because he does die, but it's sort of quite so, that effectively line done. Feels so hypocritical to me too. Every time I see it, I'm like, "What do you do? Yeah. She doesn't work out. She doesn't do. She's a superhero, and she naturally looks like that. And all she does is drink. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. Like, there for the grace of God. That's that was my thinking, but it just seemed, yeah, like unnecessarily. It was so mean. Yeah, yeah. Mean. I, I don't like that bit. Um, but yeah. Uh, Back to Fruitvale Station. Um, it does, and it's it's like I think there's a really nice, easy balance. Not easy. It's very difficult to find, but it comes across as easy. This balance between like making this is a really, really 
sad subject matter. Mm. And they don't make it tragic. No. It's not melodramatic at any point. It's never like too heavy. It's never and and that's really clever because if it were then what I would do is the same thing I do with Dark Knight and stuff, which is I would just switch off. Mm. You know, I would just be like, "Oh yeah, that's going to happen whatever. I don't care." Mm. You know, that's that's how I cope with it. Yeah. Um but this movie never does that. It keeps things really like whenever it balances anything that is really dark with something that's lighter mm. it balances everything that like the, the moments in the um i think the best example of this is in the in his the store where he worked mm-hmm. and there's the girl in line whose yeah. name is Katie <laughs> which i remember for some reason um and the girl in line is has to fry fish and she doesn't know what to buy and he calls mm. his grandmother and he puts her on the phone he gives the phone to katie and he's like tell her what to and do grandma and grandma talks then, her through it yeah it's great and then he goes off and talks to his manager yeah and swears at his manager and acts like an idiot and you're just like oh just this is why you lost your job, yeah. job mate yeah yeah and then he goes back and he's nice to the girl again and you're yeah. just like it that that's the, where the balance is you yeah know, the, the well, scene in the jail with his mother is, mm. is followed up by i think followed by a scene with his daughter mm. So they they kind of they well, never. I think it's followed by a scene at his mother's house. They're like cooking up, and they're all. It's all a really. It, but it, again, it, it's really well done because it's so ordinary. It's the ordinariness of it, and the sort of up and down, and the contradictions, and the sort of that that is that makes it feel more tragic and more horrifying mm-hmm. as to what's going on. Yeah, that's exactly it. And then I, I I sort of expected. I don't know why, but I expected the movie to stop after he died. Mm. And it doesn't. It shows the effect of that on his family, mm. on everybody, and then that it stops on the shot of uh, of his girlfriend and ch- having to tell his daughter that she- he died. And you're just like, yeah. oh my god. Well, there, and there's that little bit at the end of the footage of his real daughter. Yes, I, when she's a bit older. Yeah, that for me is like the, but that's post, the almost like post credits. Yeah. yeah. So that yeah. Bit. Oh, the, I that was really effectively done as well. That bit in the shower where she. She's in the shower and the daughter's like, where's daddy? And it does. she doesn't have to say it, but you, we just see it all happen on her face. She, mm-hmm. She's really good, that actress. I'm not, Melanie Diaz. Yeah, she's fantastic at conveying all of that. But she's also fantastic at kind of – her character felt very real. It felt very authentic that she would be frustrated with him and annoyed with him and she's like – but she loves him and she's trying her best and she sort of – like I, I, she felt very real and authentic and just – like I, I felt like she had her own, like she was definitely fully fleshed out. I thought mm-hmm. that was well done. She was just not, she was not just there as like a support of, oh yeah, this she loves him and but she's frustrated with him. She was there as like, I can see why she sticks around and and and, and why they stick together. I mean, I can see why she sticks around for a whole different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really cute. Um, yeah. Well, it's got bad facial hair, and he's really know, flaky, but he's and still really cute. I know, um, but he just—he has such a good face. Um, not the point. Uh, yeah, no. I, I, I think also there's all the stuff with his kid, and with the then with the other kids when he lets mm. them all tackle him. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why, but I really, really like the point where he won't let Tatiana win things. Yeah, yeah. For that just like possibly. I feel some connection with affinity I've, with that. I feel a strong affinity with that. And I was never allowed to win anything when I was growing up. So Yeah, and but the, it's really like it I think that was one of the most humanizing yeah, things. Like, don't, all totally. these tiny little things that he doesn't let her win things hmm. is, is just such so a often, nice little note. Well, yeah, so often in a movie about a real person, you don't necessarily get a feeling of them being a real person. And yeah. you, there's never a moment where you don't feel like he's a real person. But there's also it's so, such a good balance of you always you're always on his side. 
like even when he's being awful to his mother, even when he's in jail, you kind of it does a really good job of showing the broader person within the system and the broader person within the life as well that you kind of you sort of go that's a really stupid idea don't do that and at the same time you're like but I like you kid and I'm go- I'm going to be so sad when you die at the end of this yeah and then the sort of the ultimate kind of example of that is just before he dies mm. and when he just keeps talking back and then he's like no no we're cool we're not going to talk back and then he does it again mm. and you're like oh my god and it's just so tense mm. and all of the stuff that we know about him is leading up to this moment they they drop in all of these mm. things that to to teach us about him so that when that happens we know what he's going to do and you're just like oh this is just this is so like you just got to stop man yeah and but and and after he's been shot and he just he's i have a daughter i have yeah, a daughter yeah. and it really gets to kevin durand yeah the, kevin durand is in this movie which is in the in a very kevin durandy type role he is and that's the thing is that this is what he does he mm. takes villains and he makes them people and then you i mean yeah. he, he is really good in this yeah um and he it, it's like he's menacing and terrifying and then of course he's not the one who uh no. shoots him chad michael murray is yeah um, who is also making a career for himself as a villain oh it's, it's like it's like the um what did you call it the stalwart the the Ben Wishaw character in Suffragette. Oh no, no, it's the uh, he's the pillar. The pillar, yeah. He's making it a career for himself as that that guy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, he, yeah, he's he's. It's an interesting way to look, use the way he looks, mm. which is an odd thing to say, I suppose. But you know, because mm-hmm. he has that kind of that like slightly skeezy cuteness. Yeah. So yeah. he's he's channeling that into things. But Kevin Durand is always he's always good. Mm. And then after after you can see the after Chad Michael Murray shoots Oscar, you can see the. Um, this c- conflict in him where he's like, well, I got to protect, mm. you know, my own and loyalty, but he's also like, this is really bad. This mm. is really bad. What are we going to do? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. And, and he's only in it for five minutes and yet yep. he's, you know, always very good. I like him. <laughs> yeah. That, that it was, was well done. But yeah, it all, it's a masterful sort of character work. Yes. That. Um, yeah, and, and I think, like, the fact that none of the people are treated like, um, nobody is a, is a caricature, nobody mm. is a trope, nobody is anything other than, like, a person yeah, like, through this gra- world. Yeah, uh, like, well, grandma and mum, for example, mm-hmm. are very much, like, they, they have certain things about them that, about African American grandmas and mums, but they are not, like, that. you know, they've got whole lives, and you can, and you, and you see it as well, you see mum is, like mum has to work and she has all these children who who are doing their best and, and she's still she's struggling herself and you can see all that. Well, I can the thing that got me about it was that you can always there's something lurking in her past that's affecting the movie but they don't they never like come out and say what it is mm. but something has happened in the past that is affecting their relationship and that is affecting the movie. Um, which I thought was interesting that mm. they decided not to tell us, but it just kind of colors all of their interactions. Like mm. he's trying to be a better uh, son to her, but clearly she's there's something that's happened in the past yeah. that's not entirely on him, right? And I, but I, I got a bit of a sense of that with Grandma as well. Like, yeah, she's the family kind of. I think both of them have a very strong sense of family, and so they work really hard to keep their family together. Like, there's a lot of close contact, and everyone's borrowing money off everyone, and they see each other a lot. They um, there's something underneath all of that. It's not that quite bit where his sister asks to borrow money, and he's like, "Yeah, sure." And you're like, "You don't too have any real. money. Too real. Yeah, I know. What are you doing, kid? This I is know. the thing. Is that that's? I mean, that's the the sort of the 
thing I felt the most watching this movie is just, what are you doing, kid? I know. Like, oh, and even when Ellie throws away the pot and I'm like, oh, you could pay rent with that. You could pay daycare with that. And, yeah, and he's trying to do the right thing. And, just and like, he's, he's doing idea. the right thing and it's just uh, – but that's that's the whole, like, that's how it really effectively shows how the system is screwed up against – like, is set against him. Like, if he, he's been in jail so it's hard for him to get a job – but he's having trouble holding down a job because he's also trying to raise his kid and all that. But And also and he's his, having trouble holding down a job because he can't keep his mouth shut. His mouth shut. Right. Yeah. But then when he doesn't have a job, so he could he what he's his best option is to go back into doing something illegal, but that'll get him sent back to jail, which will get him in a worse position. It's you really get the sense of the systems working against him, which I thought was well, good. I think even better than that, you you don't just get a sense of the systems working against him. You get a sense of he. It, it's it's both. Yeah, him. Isn't he it? has personal responsibility, but also um, the systems are working against him. He has responsibility for his own actions, mm. and he's trying to take it. And that's yeah, this whole but, movie I mean, feels but he still messes up because he's still his personality is still like um he's answering back and like being a jerk sometimes. Like that's just him. He just he can't help himself. The, this whole movie feels like he's right on the edge of something. Mm. And we know he's right on the edge of dying, but mm. it also feels like he's right on the edge of turning things around if right. you could just get it together. So it feels like he's right on it's like this whole movie is a precipice mm. of like He's just about to do the right thing. He's just about to get it together, mm-hmm. which is really an interesting way of sort of of framing the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because you see, because all around him are people who have managed to get it together, and so you can see that he's he can see that his relatives and friends and lovers of all have at some point got it together. So you can sort of see that there's hope there. Mm. Yeah, which is again what makes the ending so tragic. I feel like tragic is kind of is not the right word for it i mean it is a tragedy but tragic makes it seem like it's uh how do i i don't know it just that makes it seem like it's that kind of melodrama or that kind of right. i think that it, it's not so much tragic as like i don't know i think do you mean in the sense that he's not the agent of his own death like he, he it's like he doesn't in a in a tragedy you sort of like in a classical tragedy you sort of see how the person brings about their own demise kind of thing is that no, he's not I like just that. feel like tragic is is is. Ooh. You say something's tragic when it's like when you're looking down on it. Yes. Oh, I see. Does yeah. that make sense? Right. But that and that's why the ending is so gutting. Then. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's devastating. Not, it isn't tragic. It's like it's so real and hard hitting and like mm. and and really kind of a gut punch at the end. Yeah. Even though you know it's coming, you know. Oh, I think that's why I kept having to stop. Or I can stop a couple of times because I was like, I knew I just from the minute it started and you just know it's coming and you you're like ah this and, and you sort of watch it like you what was it ah kid why'd you do yeah. that like you just sit there going ah why yeah. did you do that get it together come Hold on it together come on like yeah you just that's what i mean you're really on his side the whole way through We're, there's really more to talk about in the socio-cultural political yeah sphere that this movie is is in yeah uh, every so often movies come a long way like they sit in a period of history that they're inspired by that that are really like important mm. and, and it, this one kind of went by without people noticing how important it is yeah well it, um, i think it's interesting that it's it the movies like this I, I think it came out the same year as 12 years a slave didn't it i think it yeah. would have come out around and it would have been up at the same oscars and i think um it's interesting what gets the attention as being important and what doesn't well, I actually, Twelve Years a Slave is much more tragic 
Yeah. It is much bigger. It is much more of a, like, you know, it is that kind of big story, big picture where it's like, and it's historical and it's sweeping and it's, it's, it's so much bigger than this. This is like this little intimate movie. Yeah. And that's what, like, I guess awards voters are into. You get to see Chiwetel Ejiofor, you know, happy and crying and angry and all these different things. Whereas you get to see Oscar doesn't get to have those big emotions. He doesn't. He doesn't get to have like big showy moments. Everything is in the little details of what he does. Mm. Everything is in relation to the minutia of everyday life. Yeah. You know, he, there's nothing like, sh- there's no big grandstand moment that they can show of like the, you know, the moments when there's the singing and there's the lifting up of yeah. hope in 12 years a slave or there's the, the hanging scene and stuff like that. Like it's, there's not that much, uh, it is, it isn't as big with its emotions. Mm. And, but that's why it's so much more emotionally, yeah. uh, draining by like, the time it's done. I, I've I seen a lot of gritty sort of drama and sort of, and sort of slice of life stuff, but it doesn't usually hit me the way this did. And I think, I, I, I wonder if it, this will be looked back upon more favorably than it will be, uh, than it was at the time it came out or even is now. I think it will. I think with it's cl- the growing uh, interest in and support of Ryan Coogler and, and Michael B. Jordan, people might go back and see this and start mm. to realize how good it is. Um, mm. Yeah. and But also how, like, how... Uh, <laughs> how pertinent it is and how well, it's, like yeah it's so it's just so relevant and it just and i think the thing is that like um michael brown and ferguson all happened like after this came out long after like several months no like a year and a half afterwards like this is this predates the the current black lives matter i know i know it predates the black Lives. i'm just trying yeah. to figure out when i i'm trying to put together because you know i'm terrible with years and stuff mm. but i could have sworn all of that stuff happened in 2014 not last year it did 2014 so that's like and that's only a year out. after 2013 when this right came but this out. came out like at sundance this was quite early 2013 this came out. oh okay so it, it's for some reason i thought it was the because i'm because i'm conflating the date in the movie with right the, yeah, yeah i'm no. like no it came out at the end of the year you know no. like this is that it, it, it was like that 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 was what's one of the random factoids i saw on imdb it that footage was shot and like slipped in at the last minute for Sundance screening um, okay. for the film. And, it, yeah, so it's a Sundance movie. It, and, like, obviously Ryan Coogler's first thing he did out of film school because, as we mentioned in, when we did um, Beyond the Lights, he's 29. Yeah, I know. He's a baby. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it's so impressive. Astonishing. And but Michael yeah. B. Jordan's, like, 27 or something. I know. He's also really yeah, but young. See, he's an actor. That's different. <laughs> Not just he's an actor that's different. He's basically – I mean, he's been playing a few teenagers and, like, mm. younger – people so that doesn't he yeah that's exactly the age that i expect him to be um they're really close in age yeah that's interesting well, I, I, I think there's a really good interview with um ryan coogler in i think vanity fair i'll link it in the show notes where he's quite loyal to people like he has he sort of like w- likes to work with people that he's close to like people that he met in film school and he i, I think he fosters a fairly like familial atmosphere on set like he has this has people that he likes to work with mm-hmm. um and they're people that he's worked with before. So I think he's obviously, he and Michael B. Jordan have a pretty good pairing going on. Well, yeah. I mean, yes, that's, that's pretty clear in just how like electric his performance is in this and that it just like buzz. It, it's the energy that the movie feeds off mm, in yeah. a way. Like he's so central to the film and he just like jumps off that screen and like he's so kind mm. of, uh, effective, uh, yep. in what he's doing. Um, 
and yeah, and extremely magnetic and able to really able to carry a film, whether it's this one or it's Creed and, and completely different characters, um, which I think he does well. But yeah. I was actually going to say also female cinematographer on this as well as Creed. Is it the same one? No, um, this one has is Rachel Morrison, and huh. per that interview. The reason she didn't work on Creed is because she was pregnant at the time. Oh, she just had a baby. Okay. So she was wanted to take some maternity leave. And so he picked um, Marie Salberti for, for Creed, who obviously did an amazing job as well. Yeah. So I think that's interesting, like, because as we discussed, we did Creed, I think, that um, female cinematographers are even rarer than female directors. Mm. So it's it was um, – well, isn't isn't Ryan Coogler the one that did an interview just recently where that's, he said this that is he the, thinks this is the article. women are better directors yeah. than men? Uh-huh. He he did yeah yeah so he's that guy so and that and he chooses female cinematographers and he does really interesting things and we can oh this is obviously why he's our it boy for the moment yeah I mean yeah I I don't think it's just that I think he's he's very good at making things I there's a there's a uh, <laughs> I'm very bad with words today I'm sorry mm. there's kind of a feeling in both this and in um in Creed mm. that is like uh faith in humanity in spite of the awful things that are happening mm. there's a there's this kind of like genuine love for the characters and the people and 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 their interactions and all that sort of stuff that i think that is what lifts both of them mm. it's and it's something that i felt when i came out of creed where i was like this is like the feel good movie of the year it just makes you feel really good about people mm. and stuff and this does kind of the same thing in spite of the subject matter well it you come mm. out of it sort of going well like gee isn't humanity true well because <laughs> it's weird well yeah well because partly the bit we talked about before with kevin durand and holding him and and realizing what they've done but also you see like at the hospital for example the the way everyone the all the all these people that he left behind gather around to sit and wait for news, and all the doctors and nurses who deal with him, who I notice are all black as well. Um, they they're all kind of like there's a lot of care and kindness to, with the way they deal with him. That they all get together and like mum has everybody pray together, and you sort of get a a feeling that like because of this, what his legacy is still strong. Yeah, but also like but just the rest of the movie with like the way that Oscar cares about other people the way mm. he cares about the animals the way that he and the way that like even when things aren't good and you have a bad relationship with somebody that you then people want to try and fix that mm. i don't know there's just something really really like uh magical in how the in how the faith in humanity kind of comes through in ryan coogler's work mm -hmm. um and and it could be so easy to not do this in this movie. It could be so easy to make this movie an indictment of people mm. um, and, and make this movie into something that, like, weeps for humanity, how terrible humanity yeah. is that they've done this to him, which is what 12 Years a Slave does. Yeah. I should really stop comparing the two. Yeah, but we I can't just, stop. And, and that's kind of it. Like, it's so... 12 Years a Slave is about, like, the power of the human spirit, but how terrible the rest of humanity yeah. is. But this is about how... Like how great humanity is. Well, and it's about, it's also ordinary. That's the thing. It's not big and sweeping. It's little and real and the details matter. Yeah. And it's all about like individual people and their decisions and the context in it, which their it decisions has a are made. Spirit. Yeah, that's right. It does. It's like, it's this, it's, it's really interesting actually now that mm. I'm thinking about it, that it's, it's this, 
it's not individualistic at all, in spite of the fact that the entire point of this movie is to humanize one person. Yeah. Uh, the ultimate kind of message is that we're all like connected and, yeah. and that people are generally good and that P- we people need are to- generally good, but people are people and yeah. they're flawed and they make dumb decisions, especially in the moment, especially when they're under pressure and they, especially when, you know, things seem to be set up against them. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really, uh, um, yeah. So it's like a, it, it's an important lesson, but it's also like a, it doesn't ever feels that way. Well, yeah. I think that's, that's one of the reasons why I said that it should be taught in like classrooms and in, in yeah, because definitely. It doesn't feel like so many of the movies that you have to watch for those things. No, it, it, and, it doesn't feel mm-hmm. like it's a, a lecture or a lesson or a, you know, yeah, we have this to is an important movie. It feels yeah. like a real, you're actually watching i mean it's better than most documentaries are at 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 like documenting a real person and yet mm-hmm. it's fictionalized um yeah. which is coming back right to the beginning of the podcast like all these little things that happen to him during the day um, yeah. where they managed to balance slice of life and telling a story without making it boring mm. yeah which is well done yeah yeah anyway um rating I gave it four and a half stars. Um, yeah, I was going to give it four. I think I, I will stick with four stars for this okay. one. I can see that because I, I think I sort of inflated the um, my mark a little bit just because I think it because of the cultural relevance mm. um, and like how how perfectly it sits in this pocket of time. Mm. Um, like I think looking back on it will be really important. Yeah. Whereas there are definitely some things in it where there's just some shots that you just like that's not working out guy mm. and like some of the editing and stuff that doesn't pull yeah. together properly there's even some sound quality issues that i noticed in mm. it but you know given the importance of it I, I bumped it yeah no fair enough okay thank you very much for listening to the silver screen queens podcast if you would like to read our show notes or find old episodes they're on our website silverscreenqueens.com if you want to read katie's review of fruitvale station or any of the other movies that she watches you can find that on her blog silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com and if you want to get in touch with us you can find us on social media we are on facebook facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens on twitter at screen underscore queens and on tumblr tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com thank you very much for listening bye bye